WTEL podcasts are powered by Stanley Steamer Air Duct Cleaning, Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. But interesting to cover the president as he goes around the country in the middle of this political storm. Linda Feldman, Washington Bureau Chief, longtime White House correspondent, the Christian Science Monitor, csmonitor.com. And Linda, you accompanied the president on his trip. And uh, just some thoughts on what has to be a very surreal a political assignment right now. Absolutely. No, I mean, uh, first of all, I have to say that getting to travel with the president during what I'm sure we will look back on as a very historic time is a real privilege. And, and, and in fact, in defense of Donald Trump, he is a breaker of conventions all the time. He's constantly doing things the way things have never been done. But in, in the case of bringing a pool of reporters, a small group of us, with him on Air Force One, he has kept that. There is no law that says he has to bring a press pool with him when he travels, but he does. And, and we even had, had the privilege of interacting with him uh, on Friday morning as we were flying from Billings, Montana to Fargo, North Dakota. He came to the back of the plane and took some questions. Now, we've all heard what he said. But just being able to do that is uh, is quite something. Well, of course, I, again, when we hear the literal reporting of what the president says at any given time, but uh, talk about the the mood or, or the way that it comes off compared to any other presidents you've covered. Well, there's just this incredible anticipation. I mean, this really is a reality TV show. We don't know what's happening next. Every day is a new episode. Every day is a cliffhanger. Whether it's, uh, what, you know, what will be the revelations in Bob Woodward's book, or who is the identity of the anonymous op-ed writer, or what will be the final result of the Mueller investigation on Russian meddling in, in our elections. So, you know, I mean, all presidents are interesting and historic, but with this president, who is so unusual and so, uh, just different in the way that he communicates and the way that he chooses to govern, it's, you know, we're on the edge of our seats the whole time. And, uh, you know, you always learn something being with him. And just to see, just to see the way he operates and the way he can, he can seem a little down sometimes even. You know, when we, when we watched him in Billings on Thursday night, I think the consensus was, including uh, some of his top people traveling with him, felt that he wasn't quite on top of his game. Now that's, Certainly understandable, given that he'd had the one-two punch of first uh, the Bob Woodward excerpts followed by the anonymous op-ed. But by Friday morning, he seemed back on his game, ready to roll, ready ready to do a couple of events uh, and maintain his grueling schedule. And where do you come in on the journalistic debate as to whether the New York Times, even if it could fully confirm the identity of the source, whether it should have... uh, published an anonymous op-ed from a supposedly a high-ranking administration official. So I think we, I, we really can't answer that question until we see who it is, because there are so many people, there are literally hundreds of people in Washington who work for this administration who could qualify as a senior administration official. If it's somebody who's really on the lower rung of that qualification, I think everybody's going to say, that was really unfair to the president. If it's somebody, you know, there's been all kinds of speculation, obviously. I don't think it's a cabinet official or somebody who works at the president's side. But if it's somebody fairly senior and whose job we understand and it's not some technical job, then I think we can say that this was worth publishing because it was illustrative of 
what is widely believed to be a certain practice within this White House. Well, I mean, I mean, we waited years, decades, before we heard the identity of Deep Throat from Watergate. Uh, yeah. I mean, in this day and age, you assume that it's going to be a lot quicker. I, I do. I think everything has speeded up, whether it's the identity, you know, outing Mark Felt as Deep Throat, that took over 30 years. I think we're not going to wait 30 years to find out who Anonymous is. Uh, well, it may be useful to find out before Mr. Trump leaves office by w- whatever reason, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I think I think we'll know. I think people usually can't help themselves and talk. I mean, Mark Felt was, uh, in a way, extraordinary to keep himself hidden that, in that way for over 30 years. I can't imagine uh, whoever Anonymous is is going to be able to keep keep their mouth shut maybe after they leave this white house so maybe after trump yeah. leaves off well, since you mentioned mark felt just amazing that the one common denominator is bob woodward yeah i know <laughs> i know yeah uh, but, but what Indeed. about the notion and, and of course uh, for journalists to consider patriotism or the fate of the republic i i know you can argue on many sides but the notion that if this just makes the president all the more paranoid and makes him all the more inclined to go with a, sh- a short fuse, uh, that the, uh, the effects on the country are definitely negative, even scary. Right. No, I think you can really argue both sides of the wisdom of publishing that op-ed. I mean, I think for the New York Times, having been handed this to them, and, and they say they did their due diligence in making sure that this person was credible, they say they worked through uh, an inter- intermediary whom they know and trust, so, but in terms of the, the kind of, you know, enhancing the president's paranoia about the deep state out to get him, that's, yeah, you have to wonder if you're the person who wrote that op-ed, seriously, if you, if you are that alarmed by what you're seeing inside the White House, then go public. Give us your name. Well, but can you do that if, for, if you are truly deep state as an intelligence agency yes. versus uh, a political appointee in the administration, which I would argue right. then is not deep state. But uh, right, you, know, right. you know, if it's some intelligence operative, uh, you, by the definition I would use it is, but uh, uh-huh. then that person might be uh, forbidden from going public. Right. Right. Well, right. But if they're, you know, if they're going to lose, if they're going to leave the administration, I think they need to tell us who they are. I think in a way it's a kind of a chicken move to put this out anonymously. They have to be prepared to leave the administration. And to me, the idea that they feel that they're so important to the work of the government that they can't leave their job. Uh, in order to go public, then yeah. I think nobody's indispensable. But, well, you know, is- in a strange way, the fact that a lot of this corroborates all the other reporting uh, from mm-hmm. uh, uh, people of uh, dubious or not so dubious uh, sincerity or uh, right. credibility. Mm-hmm. But, uh, right. you know, I mean, like, for example, this account was completely at odds with every other account, but they all kind of are, are in parallel. Right, exactly. I mean, we, uh, you know, arguably, we didn't even learn anything new from this anonymous op-ed. Yeah. So all, all it really told us was that there is somebody who's working within the administration who is so alarmed by this president and this presidency that they felt the need to do this. Well, how about the notion uh, everyone is jumping up, not me, not me, not me, but Attorney General right. Sessions was not one of the ones to jump up right away. You know, I don't think it means anything. It could have been one of the people who said not me, although I doubt it because, I, as I said, I don't think it's a, it's a cabinet official. I don't think it's a senior, bold-faced name. I think it's going to be some kind of a number two. Yeah. Who maybe, we'll, maybe we know this person. Maybe we inside the Beltway have heard of this person, but 
outside the Beltway, everybody's going to go, who? How about, speaking of op-eds, how about uh, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley's yeah. piece? Right. What do yeah, you think of no, that? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, I, my understanding, it was interesting, but my understanding is it was not well-received within the administration. Yes. She's known to have sharp elbows, has her eye on the presidency, and by calling attention to her in that way, I think we that demonstrated what yeah. where, where her eye is is trained. Well, 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 it also fuels. I mean, you you've had Democrats in the past who said that of all the members of of the uh, high me- ranking members of the administration, mm-hmm. she remains the most credible, and maybe in part because she's been able to keep her distance in New York, but also right. that, that fuels the whole presidential talk. So, okay, absolutely. Uh, anything I haven't mentioned that uh, is relevant here as we begin the new week, Linda. Gosh, I I don't know. It's uh, I know it never never a dull moment, huh? We yeah. were just uh, off on another week here. Well, it was nice talking to you, uh, having had that extraordinary access to the president uh, going to his events. Thank you, Linda. Thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Linda Feldman, Washington bureau chief, longtime White House correspondent, Christian Science Monitor. I say it every once in a while. I'll do it this time. She was the one journalist I knew who accurately predicted that uh, Barack Obama would choose Joe Biden to be his running mate. But of course, that's years ago now, isn't it?